It is June 1st, 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a Home Before Dark podcast. Kevin's got the the homemade spicy water, the soda stream, the fizzy. Yep, yep. As it were. Thank you guys one for one of the uh, best worst one of the best worst purchases ever. Yeah. Why is that? Because Why is it the getting, worst? Getting replacement CO two mm. canisters is a giant pain in the ass because every time I go to a Target, it seems like they're sold out, and I have to go to three different Targets to find them. <sighs> so. Well, that's frustrating, but thank you guys really, for really tuning in on this beautiful Monday, or no, Tuesday evening in Atlanta. Sorry, oh. we, we actually forewent uh, podcasting last night. Um, I'm Tim Herb, as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, the aforementioned Kevin Bradley, to my right, and only Kevin Bradley to my right. That's it. Uh, damn. That's all you what guys get tonight. Yeah, that's what, all you guys get tonight. What a slacker. Dan's off being two weeks in a row, being dad of the year. He's setting the bar too high for me coming in. <laughs> to this whole thing you know what really sucks for you that about this whole situation is that even with dan out you have one less person to compete with to get points and you still have yet (laughs) to get one yes zero 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 neither of us got points uh it's been a couple games actually um nobody's gotten any points since the montreal match none in seattle none for nashville uh, maybe we'll have better luck after international break. But. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we have almost an entire month off in June. We go from, what was it, the 29th of May to the 20th of June. It's just going to be, a, there's not going to be a dearth of, of soccer for us to watch. That's that's good. Nope, but just a bunch the- of people watching Joseph and Barco and hoping to God that they don't get injured. Yeah, for sure. That's the one thing that we uh, – two things, I guess, that did come out to your to your point over the past couple of days is that Joseph is, and he's – I think he posted a story heading down with the Venezuela national team to go and play – are they doing CONCACAF – or, uh, uh, sorry, Copa America? Is that what he's I going down so. for? I yeah. guess so, yeah. And then Ezekiel Barco being called up to the U23s to get time for the Olympics. And I am for not... friendlies. They're friendly games, right? Like, Barco's going down there for friendly matches. Like that's the worst possible solution. Cause it's, it means nothing in the big scheme of things. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's frustrating too, because he has still, he hasn't seen any play time other than, you know, what 30, 40 minutes that he saw right. on, sa- on, on Sunday, Saturday, I'm losing Saturday. track of time with the, the, the long weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, he saw some time on Saturday, but that, aside from that, he's been, you know, been uh, rehabbing that whatever the muscle injury is, a hamstring or whatever. Never found out. Yeah, I would imagine it's a hamstring. But yeah, and then for him to be called up for friendlies, it just has it. it the writing just seems to be on the wall that something is going to happen. I just for me, you have to prove me wrong that these friendlies and um, I mean, for, for crying out loud, Miles Robinson gets called up for his first training camp. And I think it was um, and he still didn't even make the 18. He gets injured in training, like yep. pretty serious injury from what I recall. It's just I you have to. Yeah, I don't know. You have to it's prove a, me wrong the playoffs as a result yeah. of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you guys for joining us in the trap. Our our typical uh, our typical homies in the trap: Elliot Beaven, Chiefs coach Steve, Michelle, Brittany S, Richard Gordon, Haletto. How is everybody doing tonight? Oh boy, exhausted. Good? Coming yeah, off a me long too. weekend, I think I feel like I should be more energized. But yeah, um, I could tell you why I'm not energized because I ate Yala from Crog Street Market twice today i had it for lunch and then i had it for dinner so i went to my i went to the our office at at Krog and could not get could not not get 
Alafa from Yala and then uh, had to bring Angie home dinner from there because we don't get to Krog very often, especially in the pandemic. We hadn't been over there. Yeah. Yeah. And just to get Fred's and then yeah, more, I got more a, Yala. I had a half of a, or, you know, the pre-made Kroger subs, not as good as public subs, but they've got the pre-made subs, obviously. So I'm trying to get back into the gym. I was like, oh, I got to try to cut some of these calories. So what did I do? I just doubled the meat over on half of it and then just cut the top and bottom bun in half so i can at least cut out one piece of bread but then i've just got these giant chunks of meat in my mouth it's like whenever you get the, the sandwich platters the catered sandwich platters yeah <laughs> exactly that yeah. exactly that exactly yeah it's um god yeah Brittany s is right the last 15 minutes of the game was depressing on saturday yeah. but i mean what a great game i think overall aside from that I see. I tend to agree with you on there, and maybe this is going to be boring for everybody because you don't have anybody to fight with. Because I think you and I tend to have pretty similar, uh, similar dispositions whenever it comes to this team. We but, always do, but I'm the I'm the loud one, so I'm the one that ends up fighting with everybody as a result. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I'd be remiss to say to not say this is the 150th episode that we've done of this version of the podcast. Yeah. And it's crazy that people still take time and I'd be very, uh, I'd be wrong and not just kind of showing my, and our appreciation for everybody who makes this a part of their regular schedule and then listens to us, you know, on a weekly basis is way more than we ever would have imagined, you know, 150 episodes. long road. I mean, 150 here, not counting Offside Trap, not counting original Home Before Dark, not counting Bubble Stuff. I mean, we're, we're probably, probably 300 up on 300 episodes of yeah. content at this point. It's pretty insane. Yeah, and we've never really done, aside from the beginning of Home Before Dark or whatever, the banter podcast, we never right. really did more than like one a week. Aside from, you remember we were like, okay, we're going to record two, three times a week. We're just going to keep it up. And like, I don't know. We then we're like, we got nothing to talk about anymore. Yeah, like this is yeah, not yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, in terms of Saturday, I feel like I think there are more positives to take away. And I <laughs> I think I caught some ire of uh even like Christian Mills, um, because I was posting, you know, tweeting out, you know, good things, like the, you know, how fun this team has been to watch and um, how they like, we feel like we're, I feel like we're turning a corner and that sort of thing. And he's like, this didn't age well, like this is your fault, like that sort of thing. But at the same time, like, I feel like there was a lot of positive takeaway from the game. I even said at one point, I feel like, you know, Gabriel Hines is going to mess around and get, you know, another call up from Emerson Heinemann. Yeah. Like he, he's just proven like showing his consistency. Like, I think that's a big positive that we could take away from uh Saturday along with a couple previous match. Like, I feel like he is coming into his own and being more consistent. I Nashville, like we talked about this, Nashville's still unbeaten. Yep. Like that's one thing we, we talked about. One last of two week teams, is, one of yep, two teams, the, them in Seattle. So granted they're now two, five and O, oh, but they still yeah. are two O oh and five, whatever the draws. Yeah. I, I can never keep track of second or third, whatever. I think different leagues do different things, but the, yeah, the fact that they, they still have been unbeaten. We scored on them twice one of the best defenses in mls i think there's something that we could take out of that and then hani mukhtar is a very good player and he's been kind of a uh a bugaboo for us um since the beginning of last year i think i, th I think that was like his third or fourth goal that he scored against I us know. i don't know but he's a very good player and like he just yeah. took advantage of some the first goal i don't know what you do about that um granted yeah. i didn't sit and study the tape but at the same time it was a very tight like it was a, like a very good goal. The second yeah. goal is like, I get where people are saying miles Robinson wasn't covering him, but miles Robinson can't cover two guys in the box at the exactly. same time. There's nobody there to cover the backside. Like miles Robinson's having to go goal side on that ball. And he's, he's covering, I don't remember who was in front, if that was Moyle or uh, Cadiz or somebody, but uh, leaving, you know, just a bad deflection to, to land at the feet of Mukhtar and for him to be put that ball. in so easily it's, yeah, and look, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We have been in this position before in previous seasons where we're all like, okay, you've got to once you've got the lead, you've got to secure it. You got to kind of park the bus, play a little bit more conservatively. And we saw that under Tata Martino, where those teams tried that and ultimately were on the short end of it because 
that's not how they're used to playing. It's not how these teams are designed to play. And I think that what was lacking was maybe a little bit of the possession based and the possession based tactics that were employed throughout the rest of the game kind of fell apart in that last 15 minutes because Nashville was pressing so hard, particularly after that first goal that Mukhtar put in. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a really, really good performance. Um, standout for Miles Robinson. We talked about him earlier, but my God, man, his distribution, that's one of the biggest things that I took away from this game was not just Miles Robinson, his distribution, but finally seeing not just possession with a purpose, which we've talked about, right? Like we kind of saw a little bit of that coming out of the Seattle match, but starting to see distribution and goal scoring opportunities generated in a lot of different ways. You saw distribution to the wings, crosses coming in from Bellow on the left, uh, Lennon on the right. Uh, you saw Jake Mulraney running up centrally, running over left, distributing on his end of things. You saw Joseph Martinez pu- pulling back and getting some crazy fucking one-two plays with that heel flick that he gets to Heinemann over on that left side at one point in time. Like Again, you see chemistry starting to build. You see distribution from the back line from Miles Robinson, uh, Sosa getting involved in play, and who ultimately shuts down Mukhtar for – 80 minutes out of the game, he gets away those two times and ends up slotting one away. And that's, that's the risk you take if you don't have somebody on him. Um, But overall, again, a lot of positives to take away from this match. And yes, it feels a little bit like a loss just because you should have came out with three points and been second in the East. And now you're sitting eighth in the East and only getting one point, but it's, you have to have those games and, and you'll learn from them and, and you'll adjust accordingly. But, you know, a game where going into it last week, talking to Eric, I was I was convinced this team was incapable of scoring two goals in a game. To see them come <laughs> yeah. out and not only score two, but lead by two. Like, I, I just, I have a lot of positive takeaways in this game more so than negatives and and say what you want to say about the second goal Nashville gets lucky with, you know, I can argue that Moreno's goal was pretty fucking lucky too. You know, um, it wasn't like it was some tour de force where he puts this ball on frame and it's unstoppable by anybody. It takes a weird deflection through the defender's legs and, uh, keeper just happens to not be able to get a touch on it meanwhile eric lopez's goal was fucking phenomenal man i mean yeah. my god the touch and awareness there yeah yeah so good so it good. was it was definitely it was it was definitely a good sight to see it, it's good to see him get off the not off the schneid but like to get his account started with Atlanta united i feel like it's i I definitely like the positivity that i've seen from him throughout um throughout his insertion in the lineup i think that he's I don't think they cemented himself as like a starter per se, like an irreplaceable starter. But I think that he's he started to, I think, endear himself. Um, or I guess that's not the right to, to me. He has, but like, um, like he's kind of ingrained himself into that lineup right now. I think that he's become a pretty pretty big key to like our our attack right now. And I I think, um, yeah, him and Mulraney too. Mulraney's the weird one, right? We talked about that last week. Yeah. I think it was. Alex Morris, Alex Morrison was talking about how, you know, you're kind of in danger if he's he's the guy that you're hoping to to run your offense through or something to that effect. So you talk about the press, and that was one of the things that I noticed. It was like in the first half, and maybe the first half and a half. So like maybe the first, I don't know, maybe sixty minutes from Nashville, I really didn't see them pressing. The, like the they, they weren't on our of the first half. The last for, the last ten minutes of the first half, they definitely turned it on. They had a couple of shots on goal in the last ten minutes where they were really just, maintaining. Yeah, I just mean like I don't know. Overall, I didn't real consistent basis. That was yeah. No, I it, but not just that, but like whenever we were on offense, I they were not on our backs as quickly as say you know New England, the Bruce Arena. Um, uh, whatever you want to call it, strategy to beating Atlanta United. It was very much so on our backs as soon as a, a passes or as soon as a ball is hit and kind of forcing us to go backwards, kind of forcing us to go lateral as opposed to being able to push up field. And I felt like Nashville gave us more space than I think we're used to. And I think that was extremely beneficial in the first half, especially um, being able to open up. And you're right. I, I think the Miles Robinson uh, diagonals are something that I don't think are getting talked about enough 
Right. Because that was one of the big things like with LGP, you're talking about, well, you miss his distribution. And it was one of those consolations or the compromises that you kind of came to with Miles Robinson. It's like, well, he's going to be, he's going to be the best one-on-one defender in the league. He's going to be really good um, in kind of being in control, but his distribution is always going to be lacking. Well, if he can get distribution going like this and maybe it's, maybe it's uh, half and half, like half of it is, his distribution really is getting that much better, but the other half is like them not having to think that not thinking they had to worry about his distribution on those diagonals. And because he hit three of those, like in the first half to, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was to Bello or to, um, uh, Bello and to, um, uh, Mulraney. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chiefs coach Steve is absolutely correct. He said, I've never seen a team play rope-a-dope like Nashville. And that's exactly what they did too, right? Yeah. They, they absorbed a lot of pressure. And that was something that we talked about going into the Seattle game too, is I think I can't remember who made that comment about their play style is they absorb, they kind of let the, the opposing team come at them for 45 minutes, absorb it, absorb it, absorb it. And then let them run them, gas themselves out. And then the second half, just go to town and props to Atlanta United. It didn't seem like those two goals came as a result of fatigue. Like, I don't think that those goals came on a quick counter that the team was just spent. I think the second one just comes because the defense is out of position more so than they're unable to cover. I mean, shortly thereafter, they have a break. Nashville has a breakaway and defense is able to fully get back into position and force them to reset possession as a result of it. So I don't think it was that. I think it was just an unlucky play, just like you could argue that it was an unlucky play for Nashville's defense with that first goal that Atlanta United slotted home. That said, I think that the two quality goals that took place were both quality goals. Mukhtar's first and Eric Lopez's. And I think as a result of that, like you, you wipe the other two goals away, right? As luck, which nobody wants to talk about Moreno's goal being lucky, but everyone's willing to concede the second one by Nashville being lucky. If you really look at it from that objective viewpoint, I think that the result stands as like a legitimate result based on two legitimately very good goals. Right. Because Moreno ended up megging having to meg Dave Romney and um Joe Willis yeah at the same time actually it might right. have gone past right past Joe Willis's leg but still yeah. I mean I get what you're saying but to take a little positive away from that you take away Moreno's goal and he still looks the best that oh, he's he looked, looked great. probably all season yeah. yeah no absolutely he looked uh, really comfortable and able to make some of those heads up plays and distribution plays that you've been looking for somebody to get on the end of and start to set up for Joseph Martinez which I think will inevitably get him more involved in the attack no for sure and then like one of the things uh, I was going to try and pull up Moreno's heat map because it seemed like he was attacking more through the middle Mm-hmm. in this game than we've seen in the past. And I think that he's probably better served doing that. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, and it brings up a good question. It was one that I was going to ask you as well. I mean, uh, Haletto asking in the trap, he said, would you use, uh, or would, would use rather, or would you use, would you rather have, I guess, would you rather have Barco or Moreno in the attacking midfield role right now? He says he thinks Moreno. I tend to agree. I. It seems like it's, you know, Elliot Beaven, Coach Steve, both saying Moreno. I'm so torn, man, because I think that while, again, it's just a small sample size, like, I think that he had a really great showing. Maybe you can stretch it and say a great two games with Seattle and Nashville, but overall, like, there's just. There's something that you get out of Barco with his pace on the ball and his just. Like he's like a Jack Russell Terrier out there, man. Like he's just consistently moving all over the field and forcing defenders and midfielders to second guess where they're playing him positionally that I just haven't seen out of Moreno yet. Like I, I certainly think Moreno has a great skill set and is perfectly capable of distributing and, and he's gotten significantly better over recent weeks. I mean, I said the first week, I thought he was the one of the best one V one players that we've maybe ever had offensively speaking. Um, but it's just a matter of trying to kind of, get all of those things to jive together. And I just want to see a little bit more consistency out of that on a more frequent basis than one, maybe two games. If you're kind of stretching that into two games. So about Barco or you talking about Moreno Moreno. 
Oh, so yeah, my, pick would, my pick would be Barco, but then even then, that's not. I mean, that's still that's still a little bit of a liability because he's so injury prone, and then he's you know he's been known to hold on the ball a little bit too long and not take a shot whenever you want him to just rip one from the top of the eighteen. You know, whenever he's fully capable of doing it. So I think you're kind of splitting hairs either way. And I don't know that there's necessarily a wrong answer either. Um, I. I selfishly I would almost say Barco just because the more he plays and the better he looks, the more he can get for the team because he's not going to be a long-term stay. And, you know, if it's, if you get him for the next six, seven, eight games and he has great performances and goes in the summer transfer window for a little bit of a profit, you know, I would take that, but yeah, that's why Leto says he's uh this is why I'm okay with Barco going to friendlies free publicity to sell. And that's, it's very true. And Brittany S. bringing up the point, she said, dang, we have Union up next. That's not good. We were just oh, watching God. the replay uh, while we were eating dinner and of the Union and Portland game and then putting in three goals, I think, in the first half. And they yeah. just they look like they're back to their, their form of last year, and that's without uh, Brennan Aronson. I think Mark McKenzie's gone now, too. And it doesn't matter. They just keep keep on uh keep on trucking and it's uh yeah. not a good sign for the east so um i don't know yeah. i uh i saw a comment a little bit ago i wanted to mention uh chiefs whenever we were talking about the number of episodes that we had done uh <laughs> chiefs coach steve a dollar per episode for one lucky trap member um no and the reason why no is because we need sponsors our own just to pay our dues and with that, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Manscaped. Uh, this is the last week we're running our promotion with them. So you've heard us talk long-winded enough. Um, hopefully, we'll continue their, our partnership with them. But that's all dependent on you guys. And speaking from experience, you know, they sent us the lawnmower 4.0. And I know that we both really enjoyed it. And hopefully, you guys would uh, – Take us at our word and also go check them out and all of their products, which they have plenty of for all of your manly needs. Uh, support for Home Before Dark this week and the past month has been brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Oh, join over 2 million men worldwide who trust men's manscaped with this exclusive offer for you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Just use the code HBD at manscaped.com. That's free worldwide shipping. So all those Russian bots that were in the trap a couple years ago, come on back. We could <laughs> use you. Back. We could use you now more than ever. Just come in the trap. Listen to this part. Use promo code HBD at manscaped.com. Get yourself 20% off and get all those products shipped worldwide for free. Did we talk about some of the uh, features of the 4.0? They have uh, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade. I don't know if you guys have ever used ceramic blades in the kitchen. They're sharp, but they work really well. Um, and then to use and, and to reduce grooming accidents, uh, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Um, they also have the, the light, the led light helps you see where you're going at night. Like I said, you got I a mean, bad thunderstorm. Just use that when the power goes out. I some, mean, it's going to sound weird, but you know, just walk around yeah. the house with your flashlight and your manscaped on, get it all done at once. They got wireless, wireless charging. No more, <laughs> no more cords dangling around everywhere. Uh, having to move and, them and those out of the that way. are worried, it's got a lock feature. You're traveling through TSA, you don't want that thing vibrating in your luggage, raising a bunch of questions. You can lock that down so it doesn't turn on while you're traveling. Uh, it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Who's it- doing this after dark? Brian says nobody because, like you all, everyone's always home before dark. With that said. Use promo code HBD for Home Before Dark at manscaped.com. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code HBD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 
baby. All right. Do you want to sponsor us? Bring it all. We got it. We got the jewels. We got the goods. We're dolphin smooth now. (laughs) Dolphin smooth. Oh, got them dolphin teeth. (laughs) Oh, so Chiefs coach Steve is trying to offer up a free dinner at Kevin's house or a cutting board from me as (laughs) as like a as a giveaway for the 150th episode. (laughs) (sighs) Just giving away my cutting boards now. I see how it is, Coach Steve. I see how it is. I don't appreciate it. Any jokes on you guys? I live at Tim's house, so. (laughs) We're in separate rooms. We're just trying to keep up appearances. It's COVID, man. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Tim's anti-vax, so we have to do this remotely still. Wait, did you say plandemic? I thought I I heard you say plandemic. Is that right? Freudian slip. Yeah, Freudian slip. Uh, You know who, where you won't get a Freudian slip? Oh, I thought thought we had another thought we had another sponsor there for a second. Yeah, just gonna <laughs> <laughs> just gonna start popping in with sponsors. Just got uh, just start making up our own. I mean, whatever pays the bills. Oh, Literally, man. it's not that though. That would definitely would not pay the bills. What if? Okay, so what if? What if we do this like what we did in school, where we just go buy a bunch of candy from Costco? And then we sell it as a markup, but we say it's sponsored by us. They have to order it through our website at a markup and we still ship it out. You know, like we're selling airheads for a quarter, but we got a box of them for like $2. Okay. Yeah, I know. Start making up our own ads. I know. (laughs) I know kids who uh, paid their way through college by selling little Debbie snacks in the courtyard of Lakewood High School during lunch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Somebody said they're talking to Arby's Arby's. Just start selling our own Arby's. Brian said uh, he's writing an email to Arby's corporate. Yeah. I see Arby's at a markup somehow. (laughs) (laughs) See, I am, I am on, I I would even be good with Applebee's. Oh, that's not bad. That's what we really need to do. We need to get a corporate sponsor. That's in like, that's not doing so great after it's like, (laughs) Looking to get into the podcast game. Red you know? Robin. Yum. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some Schlotsky's Deli. Mm. Red Robin's French fries are just like, a, they're like sticks of mashed potatoes with a, like a crunchy skin around them. Like once you get past the skin, it's just nothing but just potato it's on just the end. So it's just potato. so, oh, it's it's so, so it, They're just the shavings whenever you peel a potato. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what they are um yeah we don't have another game for like what, two What's three that? weeks three weeks yeah, we don't have another game for three weeks yeah. so yeah we'll be on a break until uh after that game but yeah so getting back to the game this week uh we talked a little bit about miles robinson and his standout performance anybody else really stand out to you a lot this past weekend i mean i would say uh so so but he's standing out every week to me. Or you feel like just always consistent. Um, never have to worry about him. I, I don't feel like, but I don't know. Um, it's tough. I did feel like Joseph played really well um, on Saturday. I thought that I mean, he's really getting, the fact that he's pulling bicycle kicks and going up for these challenges and stuff like that. Like to me, that just says he's feel he's trusting that knee more and more every single day. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that was that was a, probably a pretty nice takeaway to have from that from that match. Um, you know, knock on wood, pray that he doesn't get injured in uh on international duty, but yeah, he's looking better and you know, I'm getting less and less mad about seeing him drop back because of some of the one twos and distribution. We talked about that last week too though. Like if he's going to drop back and if he has a comfortable um or somebody that he's comfortable with, it's some sort of relationship with one twos and, and feeling comfortable kind of distributing that attack or playing, um, playing alongside, uh, alongside somebody in distribution up there. Um, I feel like that's fine. Like I'm not so upset. I, I, I feel like I'm stammering. I'm sorry, but I, I feel like I, I wouldn't, 
I am not as upset now. You're like Gary on Parks and Rec. It's like, nobody ever lets me talk this long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nobody ever lets me talk this long. <laughs> no, but seriously, like last week we did talk about like him being wasted, being pulled back that far if he doesn't have somebody to play off of. And I felt yeah. like we were getting that with Lopez. We were getting that with Moreno. We we're also getting it with, I really liked what I saw out of Moreno. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that his, his attack, um, his attack on that left side. I, at one point I think he ripped a shot with his right foot and it was not very far off, like tucking in from the left side and, and kind of ripping a shot with the right foot. But, um, I, I like him more and more as I see him. I, I think, you know, he had one, maybe one bad game where I think we, I don't know that we piled on, but maybe we got a little less. Moreno little more, and Moreno, you know? Yeah. And we then, got a little, uh, little more disenchanted with the two of them. Um, yeah. But I, I think that maybe it was just a, you know, a blip because they both, they both seem like they're pretty, uh, pretty comfortable and kind of dangerous again. And this is where it comes into play of having that consistent lineup, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have consistent play if you can have a consistent lineup and maybe it's one week here or there, but overall I feel like the team as a unit is getting more consistent in knowing where each other is going to be in that run of play to be able to get those little link up one, two passes that maybe weren't as consistent four or five weeks ago that are now starting to click a little bit more consistently. And Whenever you start switching out personnel groupings and in, in mass, that's going to start to upset that apple cart a little bit here and there. So right now, though, everybody seems to be firing on all cylinders. And I didn't really see any weak spots per se in this past week's performance. Like nobody was consistently getting beat off the ball or out of position or a liability or anything like that. Um to where it was overly concerning. You know, Chiefs coach Steve mentioned earlier that he thought that the midfield needed to be a little bit more defensively uh, sound instead of being so offensive, offensively minded. And again, this is like, this goes back to what we were, we, we consistently come back around the same topics. It's like, do you want goals or do you want them to bunker, you know, and this team isn't the Nashville and Seattle mindset of just, enduring wave after wave of offense and then countering like it's not structured to be a countering team and a more defensively structured midfield like everybody wants an an exciting form of of soccer and that takes having a midfield that's going to be pushing a little higher up the field and then having your defenders that are your central defenders that are playing in midfield i.e sosa being that defensive midfield role, basically. And he's certainly doing that. Like, I don't see where Sosa is consistently getting too far up the field or anything like that. You know what I mean? So I think that it's – this is this is the – like, are you not entertained, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, this game was a very entertaining game on both sides of the ball. Nashville, we knew going into the match, was going to put up a lot of shots and a lot of shots on goal. But even with that, up until the 80th minute, I think they only had 10 shots over the course of the game. They ended up with 15 total, and they all came in that last 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, for a team that's been on a league high of shots per game and shots on goal per game, to be able to hold them like you've been able to consistently do for the majority of the match, like that just takes some some mental shifts down the stretch. And, and I certainly think that the team's going to learn from that going into future games if they have a lead as early as they did this week. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm with Brian too. He said, you can see the improvement week to week saying good times are ahead. I a hundred percent agree. Like I, you're right. I mean, but to your point, I'd rather draw two to two than draw zero to zero. Like, is yeah. that a, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, legitimately it doesn't mean that we got, we got goals in. I mean, we have, we have, we have to shore up the back line again. I mean, which is not going to be hard for us to do. We have one of the better back lines in all of MLS, I yeah. I believe. Um, I think trying to be as objective about it if as possible. You look at all four of the positions back there. I think it's you know we're very solid. But yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I I don't. You're right. I don't see Santiago Sosa kind of catching himself too far upfield or um, or allowing you know our defenders to to go upfield and 
um, leave us high and dry because he's constantly back there kind of. I mean, that's uh, what LGP did. Like covering. as much as, as much as I and everybody loved LGP, you'd, you'd be lying if you said he wasn't a liability because he got too far upfield too often. And he consistently would do that where he would make unnecessary runs upfield and nobody would be there to cover him because we didn't have any defensive midfielders that were going to drop back. At least Sosa has that ability to go up, but he's, he's rarely going up much past midfield. You know, if anything, it's, it's miles who's making one run a game at the most up through that that central midfield line, but it's, it's yeah. not often that you see those defenders giving you those liabilities on the back line by being out of position. So, yeah. And I feel like his coverage and his, you know, his coverage of that back line more has to do with whenever the winger, the, you know, the fullbacks, the wingbacks, right. whatever you want to call them, get forward. And, um, he does a great job of filling in as that back, that back third, um, whenever we kind of transition and attack from, uh, you know, four at the back to, to three at the back. And, I don't know from a from a standout perspective. Who do, does anybody stand out to you? Different um, than Miles Robinson and Moreno, um, and I, and I'd say Eric Lopez. I mean, he gets the one goal, which was great, but then he's I mean he's inches off from getting a second one whenever he chips that keeper. Yeah. Um, I mean he he had a really really great game, I thought as well. So those would be the three for me. I would say is Moreno, um, Miles, and then um, Eric for sure. Uh, I think just, again, overall, everybody was pretty consistent. You know, you might argue that there was just some mental lapses in the positioning in that last goal, and it's just unfortunate, but it happens to teams all the time, you know, so. No, yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things we're going to have to deal with. I mean, it's it's really like them's is the breaks, you know, like yeah. that happens. Shit happens like that. You know, we, we no... did it. We've done it to other teams. I mean, right. look at what we did against San Jose. Seattle and in San Jose. I mean, I mean, even Montreal, you know, you look at the Montreal game, you're scoring it in the 95th minute, which is four minutes of stoppage time. And somehow you're playing into the yeah. 95th minute and you get a late goal score. Like it happens to teams all the time, man. Like it's, I think the most unfortunate thing right now, and it's just so early in the season and it's it's hard not to start digging into it um, because there are some games behind us is to see us drop from second in the East with that lead down to eighth in the East, because there's such a tight spread in between the teams in the East, which, you know, kind of brings me to, um, I forget who just asked it. Uh, Elliot Beaven asking, can we say Atlanta is a top team in the league? And, I don't, I I think everybody kind of is saying the same thing of not yet, not yet. Like, let's just kind of wait and let this see where it goes. Like certainly improving, but, and I tend to agree with that too. Like we're, we're seeing improvement week over week, but I don't see enough from this team to say top team in the league right now. No, I agree with you. And I know that I, I predicted probably cheeky or, uh, you know, kind of cheekily at the beginning of the season that we were going to finish top in the East. But I mean, if I think, if I look at it pragmatically, I, I don't know that we are a top team right now. I think we have all the makings of a top team. I I think that it's going to take time and then just, you know, tenure underneath uh, Gabriel Heinz in a system and, and some familiarity among the team without injuries and with, you know, um, you know, consistency in that lineup as you, you know, kind of hammered home early in the show. And I think that is the biggest key. And I think that's what you see a lot of, you know, with a lot of these top teams in the league too. I mean, I mean, I guess you could take a look at Seattle and say, you know, a lot of their lineup, I mean, they're missing two very key players in Jordan Morris and uh, Nico Ladero and, they're still kind of firing on all cylinders, but that said, that team is, I mean, I, I love Jordan Morris, but he's, he's often injured. So they've had to work without him for a while. Yeah. Um, in a lot of instances, they have a lot of great players, but a lot of consistency too, within that team. Um, and they've been playing under Schmetzer for, you know, 11, however many years that right. he's been up there. And I want that, like, for for no other reason the patience with the manager like i just want to see that him have because you're going to have a core group and if you look at a team like seattle a lot of that group are are guys that are going to be with them for a long time or that have been like they they're not guys that are immediately getting shipped off uh look at toronto man i mean toronto who's won what two 
two cups in the past six years or something like that. You know, it's and between Josie and and Michael Bradley being there for what feels like two decades at this point, yeah. you know, I mean, they, they have and, long yeah. and longstanding tenure at manager too. Right. I mean, they've had their manager for, no, no. While. Chris Armis is their manager now. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's Greg, right. Greg Vanny left um, that's right. or was fired last season. They had a bad year, but I mean, they had Javinko for a long time. They have, I mean, Jonathan Osorio, I feel like has been with the team for a while. Richie Larea, like they're, they're guys. I mean, there's a lot of familiarity on that team and same with, but again, like I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think we're a top team. I do think that we have the makings of it. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just excited to see. I think the sky's the limit for this team, honestly. We don't have a lot of old dead weight on this team right now. No. I mean, who's who's the who's the only... And he's not even old. Like, Kubo Torres is probably the only dead weight, honestly. I mean, I say that... I can't even say I say that with that much... Res- like, with all due respect or whatever. But, like, he's the only guy on this roster that I look at consistently and say i don't know what he brings to the team and why he's here and holding back other players from potentially getting um potentially getting their shot um no, so. I hear you. oh sorry oh. nathan nathan explosion said greg vanny left gotcha. he wasn't fired yeah he's with galaxy now so gotcha. um you know and the other thing talking about managers and, and it's, with with this team being so young, you can't help but draw comparisons because we've only had three managers. It seems like a lot in the span of five years, but I did think it was interesting that they mentioned that through six games, Heinze is the best manager that Atlanta United has had, statistically speaking, with points through six games. Who's the worst, Tata Martino? But no, I think it was uh, I think it was Frank because he they said that he was one point higher than Tata oh, Martino through gotcha. six games. So. Um, so again, but you've got to have that tenure, you've got to have that repetition and you've got to have that consistency in the front office to be able to maintain anything. And he's clearly got the locker room on his side and he's doing all the right things from the personality standpoint to get the team energized and in a motivated frame of mind to play better and they're consistently doing that week over week so i don't see any reason for that to cease barring any substantial turnover in the roster one way or the other uh due to injuries or otherwise because that's that's going to be a challenge no matter who the manager is so no i agree and you know people saying that like (laughs) brian saying the patience that frank deserved kind of laughing about it and um and the same thing, Joe Johnston saying we said the same thing about Frank. And no, I that, agree. Yeah, I mean, we. we I was never of, on the side of fucking Frank Levy. No, none of us were. <laughs> none of us on the show were. I think. I think maybe Dan and I got broken at the end of the season last year, where it just didn't look like, from a mutual standpoint, it was going to work anymore, and it was time to cut ties. And it wasn't a matter. I think it was just a matter of Frank DeBoer looking broken and dejected, and like, and it all makes sense if he had no say in anything that was yeah. going on in roster moves. So I wouldn't want to be here either if I'm a manager. Like I, I'm not saying give full control over the roster to the manager Mourinho style or anything like that, but at the same time, you gotta have some sort of um, some sort of input. Like you have to value your manager's input because it's. I mean, if you're bringing a manager in to kind of cement his philosophy onto the club, you have to surround him with players that match that philosophy and not just try to play Billy Bean Moneyball, where you're playing like money and statistics and all that stuff to bring guys in because this isn't baseball. Like baseball has one formation on defense, one formation on offense, whatever. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Oh, Alexis Guerrero. So the cool again saying uh, in the trap, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? You got Fubo TV. And this is peanuts for you. Shouldn't you be eating some pizza pie or some shit? I don't know. One bite, everybody knows the rules, Bojack Horseman. Like, <laughs> you should be doing so many other things, but he's right. Orlando fans were hashtag Frank in. And I, uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm still Chrysan. Yeah, I, I'm still hoping at some point Oscar Pereja gets uh, gets removed Yeah, and uh, Jason Christ gets brought back into that team. <sighs> yeah. It's um, Orlando won again, right? They won. <laughs> they, 
Yeah. Then they went one nothing. No, is that no? no. They lost two one to Red Bulls. Oh no, you're right. You're right. I was thinking of the yeah. week before. Yeah. Um, they were one of the three teams that were undefeated going into this week. It was them, Seattle, and Nashville. So they've dropped, and now it's Seattle and uh, Nashville. So, <laughs> which is still, which is so crazy to me, because Red Bulls and NYCFC are still below the line. If I'm not right. Uh oh, NYCFC slander. I'm serious. See, Alexis Alexis is dipping his Doritos in caviar. I dip mine in cottage cheese. We're just in okay. different leagues, Alexis. Okay. Okay. So here's a new here's a new thing I saw on TikTok. And by TikTok I mean reels on Instagram because that's how I waste all of my life now. Flaming hot Cheetos, but then you pour the ranch packet into it. Not the packet of like made ranch, but the ranch dust into flaming hot Cheetos. Your sodium's going through the roof, but you basically get the hot wing appeal of like the ranch powder packet over flaming hot Cheetos. How great of an idea does that sound? Yeah, it sounds pretty amazing. Um, you're gonna need a gallon of water if you're eating it, but yeah, a gallon of water for your entire body to retain for like five days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 oh, that's, uh, I want to try. Th- I want to try that now, and then I want to try the uh, the Easy Mac with uh, the molten, uh, the molten hot Cheeto Cheetos. Mac? The Cheeto yeah. Mac, hot yeah, Cheetos yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can you get this at Arby's, dude? Oh, can you? Ooh, what if they did the half pound beef and cheddar, but with a flaming hot cheddar? You know, that's what the beef and cheddar is missing is the crunch factor. Crispy jalapenos. That's it, right? So you get like a jalapeno yeah, popper, maybe, it. maybe top layer. Like, can you like the a- French's, the French's onions, but in jalapeno form on right. like we had at Sonic, cheddar. like yes. we had at Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. That's would exactly it. what yeah. it needs. So exactly what it needs. But with, with the double, the double decker, can you pick your cheese sauce top and cheese sauce bottom? Can you do like a, a flaming this hot on top? <laughs> <laughs> this is making me nauseous. This is making me nauseous. I mean, uh. <laughs> so where were we at, Kevin? Where were we? I at? don't know. Before you oh, brought so, up reels. Okay, so NYCFC is in fourth right now. Oh, okay, okay. They were below the cutoff line before this week, so I, I missed that. Um, right, because Rebels, the cutoff the cutoff line is three points from fourth place. It's kind of crazy. No, that's like, what I'm saying. It's fucking nuts, man. I mean, yeah, Atlanta again, was, would have been in second with the win, and then they drop all the way down. Or third, I guess, but then they drop all the way down to eighth with the draw. It's wild. Yeah, um, but yeah, Red Bull's still below the cutoff line. Um, I mean, it's really what is it? Five points between tenth and second. That's what's crazy. And of that, you've got between second and tenth. There's a five point spread, but then of those whatever eight teams there's one two three four five six with games in hand right and even fc cincinnati has two games in hand not that fc cincinnati's ever gonna do doing anything shit. with two games yeah <laughs> i mean no, it's if, all that fucking chili spaghetti that they've been eating oh my god skyline chili is trash <laughs> and I don't care. Like you can, you could say whatever you want. And I'm not even saying like putting, I'm not saying putting chili on top of spaghetti is inherently bad. I'm saying putting cinnamon in your chili is disgusting and you got to stop. <laughs> you, gotta you, stop. You, you, you have to stop. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm down with the half a pack of shredded sharp cheddar on top. I'm wow. down with the spaghetti, make it cafeteria style where there's a, you know, a, a half a cup of water at the bottom of the cafeteria tray whenever you're oh, done. Gross. It's just like that's just hot dog water they pour but into the stop. Tray. I'm convinced. Stop putting cinnamon in your chili. It's disgusting. Um the only team in the East that I could conceivably see or that I, I couldn't conceivably see making a playoff spot is Cincinnati. Like, because we've we've talked about I don't the see pos- Chicago making it. Well, we've talked about the positives. Like you, I think you can see Chicago make a run of I think it's just going to take a stretch of games. The East going to beat each other up so much this year. If you get a good stretch of games from Chicago with Robert Baird scoring goals, wherever he missed it, you know, like the, the, the goals were, he was off by, you know, a couple inches against us or like the crazy chances that he gets that he's able to convert. 
I don't know. I feel like they're a much more dangerous team, obviously, than than Cincinnati. We don't know what's going on with Toronto. I mean, Toronto's been, a, you know, we talked about them being a stalwart in in MLS over the past, well, I don't even know, decade after after you know transforming what was a laughingstock of an organization, I think, into a into a powerhouse. But Josie wants out, right? That's that yeah. can't be good for the locker room, right? Yeah. Take aside like or uh, set aside what he's actually providing to the team. It's never good for morale whenever you have a guy that's so influential on that team to be to be, you know, on the trading block for that for as long as he uh I guess he has been. They said they've been they've been shopping him for a while, which is was pretty shocking to hear. Um I just figured he was on one of his long stretches of injury that he typically yeah. is uh cuz he can't stay healthy, but I don't know what happens with Toronto. Um Inter Miami. We haven't even talked about that that elephant in the room. I guess it's been talked about to death. Thank God, you know, Maybe Paul McDonough didn't catch lightning in a bottle his first year here. I don't want anybody digging back into the past. Like that's, you know, all that shit that happened down in Miami. It's, um, it's definitely amateur hour down there, but you look at them and they're two points from the playoff line too, or three points from the playoff line. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of talent in the East Red Bulls. I feel like are always going to be in it. NYCFC, if they're starting to streak, they have a great team. Wait, are you looking at the right? Are you looking at the same thing? I'm looking at, what do you mean? They're three points from the playoff line. They're sitting with four points right now. Playoff line is 11 points. Who Miami. Oh, I thought you were talking about Chicago. No, I'm talking about Miami. Miami. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. I I didn't make that. And even, and even DC, even DC is only two points away from the playoff line. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, DC, DC up. I think. Yeah, you can. I guess you can argue maybe Inter Miami, but even still, like, it's going to be a clusterfuck in the East, man. So that said, making prediction. Who do you think? Okay, here, here will be a fun thing. So coming back from. So we're a quarter of the way through the season, right? Uh, Eight games out of thirty-four. So not quite. So, but close. Yeah. Close. We'll just round up and say a quarter. So, will who do you think leading up to midway to the season after the international break is going to make the biggest moves in the East? Do you think Atlanta comes back and, and is significantly better with some time off? Or do you think that they kind of stay the same? Do you think that any of the teams that are maybe below the line right now, like Red Bulls, like DC, maybe make a big surge? Do you think um, – you know, my bet is the the one thing that's consistent year over year is that Orlando gets really hot and then somehow ends up down in the bottom with the exception of last year where the entire world was on fire. So – um, that would be my prediction is I think Orlando falls out of playoff contention after being one of three teams that was undefeated going into week seven, but that's just me. I think you're wrong. I hope you're right. Um, I just don't know if this team is built differently with Pereja <laughs> at the helm. I, I really hope that's, uh, I hope you're right. Uh, I've Columbus crew to me reigning champs. I think they're going to get a stranglehold back on the East. I think you'll see them jump up. I don't think that new England's going to stay at the top for very long. Not to say new England's going to drop very far because, Oh God, it hurts me to say they're well coached because I don't like Bruce arena so much, but you know, well coached team, um, very dangerous in attack. And just, I mean, maybe, um, maybe not first place, but I think they're still probably a top three team. Maybe you see Orlando go go down a little bit. But between Philly and I think Philly and Columbus are going to be fighting for uh, first and second place. And I, I think the best to I think Columbus is still shaking off the hangover from winning MLS Cup. And I think I think you're going to see them kind of surge uh, into the rest you know the rest of the season. So Philly certainly seems poised to stay in that upper upper part of the East. Um, I can see, like you said, I, I can see Columbus uh, maybe turning it on a little bit. Um, somebody's got to fall out of that top, though, to make room for a couple of these teams. It's certainly not going to be this way through the rest of the season. It's just too close. And I think that of the two conferences, the Eastern Conference certainly seems to be poised to have the most drama. Um, again, very early on in the season right now, being through seven to eight games, depending on who you're looking at here. But um yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, the top, the top four in the West have are in the teens in points, and then you only have two 
in in the East. Yeah, and, I mean the uh, fact that you've got four teams tied, five teams. I'm seeing double one, two, three, four teams tied uh, for fourth through seventh yeah. place. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's going to be interesting, man. Um, yeah. Um, I I do this every week, and I apologize because I've kind of put myself in charge for it. But going back to Twitter reactions, uh, we only had a handful from this past weekend um, for the match against Nashville. I'm just going to go ahead and rattle those off, Kevin, and let me know what comes to mind. We're going to do like a word association and have you sit down on this couch, lay back, and uh, uh, no, Elliot Beaven. Um, saying positive, scored two goals, and negative, gave up two goals, and same time as Champions League final. He's a Chelsea fan. They ended up um, keeping keeping Man City from winning a, a, a Champions League, which was it's it's very bittersweet. I'd say it's very bittersweet because I'd rather both of those teams lose. Uh, Brian Reynolds, aka at Falcons Rule Seventeen, saying positive, scoring two goals, negative, conceding two goals. Um, it seems like you guys are copying each other. Alex Morgan, Alex Morrison saying positive. Here we go. The confident swagger we started to see was like seeing an old friend we haven't seen in three years. I like that. I like that. Uh, negative. We will never be good at set pieces on both sides of the ball ever. Unless Kratz is brought in as the, on as the specialist coach. And, uh, this one I don't think was directly, but it, it wasn't directed right back at the, uh, at the question, but it was another comment that tagged us. It was, uh, Atlanta United has seemed underwhelming and all the Atlanta United uh, or the Unite and Conquer folks want to see them climb the table. But hey, let's celebrate heading into the June break with only one loss. I'll take it. I uh, can't tell if that's sarcasm, but I'll take heading into the break with uh, with only one loss right now. Yeah, No, absolutely. I mean, for a team that's if you're going to be struggling to find an identity, I'd rather be one loss struggling to find not an identity consistency in attack or goal scoring maybe is a better way to put that. Uh, if you're going to be struggling on the offensive side of the ball, I'd much rather be struggling on the offensive side of the ball and sitting one point outside of playoff contention and one loss going into international break than sitting in a position like Cincinnati is right now, you know? Yeah. So. No, I agree. Uh, 100%. Would rather see us lose four to nothing than than draw zero zero. You know what I mean? Like at least we were being <laughs> exactly, exactly. At least we were being exciting whenever we were playing. Exactly. So, exactly. What do we got to do to get somebody like uh, like Montero from Philly? Or I, I, man, I just want to like a good playmaking number ten or winger, like somebody to come in. Like we have to hate it we have to sell barco and we yep. got to pay down alan franco we need two more attacking dps and well, i'm not i don't think i'm i, I don't think i'm overstating that. that or yeah no. No. i think that's no, I we need it agree. and i agree like uh elliot beeman and we talked about this on twitter uh at least i can't remember who i was replying to about this but kai kamara you know veteran mls forward who's played on I don't know more teams than I think still exist. I think he played probably on teams that ended up. Uh, um, what do you call that? Not foreclosing. What's what's the term for folding? I guess. Yeah. Teams. Yeah. Anyway, um, he he's a free agent. We need a a competent backup who, and I think Kai Kamara is a competent backup. He's old. Don't get me wrong. But to come in and spell Joseph and to be. I able mean, to, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta kind of hit last year by. Um or not last year, but the year before by getting Miram, you know, somebody that was a free agent that was able to come in and, and make a big difference on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see why they couldn't do it with somebody like Kai Kamara, certainly. Yeah. Need somebody, man. I yeah. know we have to work within these stupid, even more so. I don't know. I wonder if like the rules, first of all, somebody at the MLSPA or like the MLS headquarters, because they control the contracts, I believe outside of the DP contracts, like, they and maybe even so, like it probably still has to go through the league office. Like somebody on the accounting side up there had to have gotten fired for what happened in Miami, right? Like oversight wise, surely, surely. like there had to, be, and there's probably some sort of renewed emphasis at the at the center of the league to yeah. kind of get a stranglehold on this. I will say what they did and the punishments that they doled out. 
I thought they were pretty adequate and I thought it was like, well, they do get fined a million dollars or something like that. Um, the exact, hold on. I'll pull up the exact punishment, but, um, Paul McDonough so, has been, um, has been suspended for what? Two years. It's still yeah. like the end of, um, they'd be docked $2.2 million in allocation money oh, okay. in 2022 and 2023. Um, the owner got fined a quarter million dollars. Um, so what else? They were, they were fined $2 million as an organization gotcha. and docked TAM money, which, yeah, it's, that's a lot, man. 2 million. Uh, in TAM, yeah. That's, yeah. that's almost an entire Jurgen Dom, uh, salary. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, I, I thought that it was, you know, I, I saw people kind of scrutinizing it as not being enough, but in a world where financial financial fair play has been so um, so passed over and not enforced, not well enforced with teams like PSG and Manchester City and, and the like, it is nice to see at least some sort of tangible punishment uh, laid out by them or laid out by the league on the on the Inter Miami. So, um, oh, I I don't know why I just thought about. It. I did have a question from the game this past week and you may know better than I do what what the fuck happened with the the whistle that got blown on walks for obstruction of the keeper whenever the keeper threw the ball at walks it's not like he was standing in front of the keeper and then walks played the deflection and oh I have no idea like what the fuck was that like that seemed completely like it seemed like a completely valid play and the keeper fucked up and Atlanta capitalized on it but it was still blown against Atlanta and I don't know why that happened. It's not like he was purposely obstructing his ability to play out of the box. You know, it's not like he was standing right in front of him. He was running out of the box into the run of play and keeper threw the ball into his back, you know? Yeah, I don't know, dude. I I who was who was the referee this weekend? It was uh Alan, Alan Chapman. Uh, Alan Chapman or Alan Kelly. Which one? No, Alan Kelly. It was Alan yeah. Kelly. That's right. Chapman's yeah. bald, right? Yes, Alan right. Kelly's. That's right. and uh, he, he, I think Alan. I think Alan Chapman retired. He was doing VAR stuff. Uh, I think he retired. If I'm not mistaken, we shouldn't but, yeah. know these dudes' names. Like yeah, exactly, <laughs> this should be like one of those things where I have no idea. Like the the only like I, I I reference NBA a good bit because I've been watching it since I was like probably four years old. But like the only refs whose names I've known over the years really. Like, are the guys that I, I feel like make the game about themselves or are really bad at their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same in baseball. The, have you ever followed the, like that? What is his name? Angel Hernandez shit. Mm-mm. Oh my God. It's like he filed a lawsuit, uh, like a discrimination lawsuit about not getting playoff games and that sort of thing based oh off of, uh, I believe it was something like that. And then they just found evidence that he's just not good at his job is why he didn't. And he lost his lawsuit. It's like, yeah, yeah. sounds about right. Sometimes it is, uh, it's just about job performance and exactly, exactly. Yeah. I never know what to think with, uh, pro referees. Yeah. So, um, I go back and forth. Yeah, I do too. And I feel like sometimes I didn't think that Alan Kelly did a bad job, uh, on Saturday at all. Like I, I felt like the game was pretty well managed, but do you think the, do you think the play on Joseph was a PK? The, the mm. little knock. Where, I mean, because he, he did get ball, but then yeah. everything after the little toe tap on the ball was playing contact directly through Joseph. Yeah, it was tough. You're talking about when well, he's on the right side of getting past. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was in the, uh, it was in the second half, I believe. No, I thought it was a penalty at the time, but I can also see from watching the review or the replay where it could be drawn either way. I think there was a lot of gray area in that play. Yeah. I don't think it's a PK personally. Just, I mean, he he clearly makes contact with the ball. He follows through. Yes. But it wasn't like it was a overly aggressive play, but I can see where people were clamoring for a PK as well. Because in real time, anytime I see one of our guys go down in the box, that's like, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio from the, whatever. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. That that meme. I feel like that's me every time, uh, um, an Atlanta United guy goes down in the box, but yeah, as Moreno got a yellow for simulation, right? Yeah, that was a little disappointing, but um, but he definitely did. <laughs> he did not to say not to say like 
In the was, run of play, it didn't look like it, but the replay was like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, no, it was bad. Um, he got hit a little. I think he took a little contact, but not near enough to even take him down. Like it was, no. he probably felt skin. He was like, yep, going down. Yeah. Yeah. And box. it was just one of those that like, he just banana bodied, you know, where it's just <laughs> it, the middle of his bat goes out. You know? <laughs> Cleats go up backwards like a pinup model. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like I wonder how many of those guys, especially I don't know anybody, I guess at this point who's been playing uh, professional, like the track to professional soccer since they were little, like how many guys at this point are? It's like Jason Bourne, like um, as soon as you get contact near or around the box, you get you get activated, activated, yeah. You get activated, it just kicks in. Just... That's how Yamil Assad was for the first 15 games, is anytime he took any contact, he got activated. Yeah. Yeah. Just immediately down on the ground. Dude, have you ever seen a guy dole out more disproportionate response to fouls than Yamil Assad? Like he would go down at no contact and then two feet in, just flying in two feet in. There's been no. <sighs> Like yeah. I've, I've witnessed, I've witnessed it's, it's definitely like a, it's, it's like a U.S. military thing. It's like a disproportionate response to what exactly. happened. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Um, we haven't asked for in a while, but uh, YouTube, uh, like and subscribe, obviously, but iTunes rating and reviews definitely help us in the algorithms on all the podcatchers, however you can do that, however you found us. To all of you guys in the trap, thank you so much every week for coming and hanging out and uh, talking to us. You drive so much of what this show is. We really appreciate it. Uh, to you that are listening that haven't gone over and visited Manscaped, this is your last chance. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using promo code HBD. Be sure to do it and get all of the products that they've got over there on their website. Um, it's not just for guys. Get one if if you are a lady, doesn't have to be for you. Get one for your man. They'll appreciate Father's it. And we'll appreciate it too because that's how we pay them bills. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. You can find us both collectively. I say both because Dan's never here. You never know what you're gonna get. No matter what or who you're gonna get, you find one of the three of us over on Twitter at home before dark. That's before spell B and the number four, you can find us individually on Instagram, Tim, where can they find you at? You can find me at my name and that is Tim Herb. Find me at the architect. That's at the underscore ARC number one T E C T. Thank you so much guys and gals. We'll see you after the break until then, as always be home before dark. Bye guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park